Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Well, good morning and welcome everyone to Christ Community Chapel, our weekly gathering. Great to be with you. Happy New Year. My name is Mike, one of our pastors here. And uh, let's get started with 2022. If you're here uh, in person, online, in the East service, uh, really, really glad to be with you. As you heard from Tom, this is a unique weekend. This is a standalone weekend for us as a church. We highlight one ministry and lean into one idea for us that's timely. And the ministry is our care ministry. We have a wonderful ministry, a wonderful team of people here for you. No matter what you are going through, they are here. Well, actually this week, uh, a few of them couldn't be here this Sunday. They actually got called out last minute to Ann Arbor. They had to help the University of Michigan football team with the devastating loss and navigate some of the issues there. So they send their apologies. But that's how great of a team they are. No matter who you root for or who you don't root for, they are here for you. Even if you hate sports in general and are sick of pastors talking about it, uh, they would love to care for you. I hope you do. Uh, stop out. You may have seen some tables in the atrium. Uh, before you go, you'll hear it again. But please stop by, find out how we can help you and serve you in this season. That's the ministry. The idea driving this sermon and this morning is simply this, that God cares as much about how you're doing as what you're going to do this year. As much as he cares about the goals you've set, resolutions that you've made, things that you have planned for 2022, he cares just as much for how you are doing after 2021. Now, it's no secret that the last year, the last 18 months, the last two years have been hard. For some of us in particular, they've been extremely hard. The last year or two years have not been our friend. And for some of you, that's putting it very, very mildly. So while this is typically the time of year we look ahead, we dream, we plan, I want to do something a little bit different. As one of your pastors, rather than ask you the question, hey, what do you want to do this year? I simply want to pause and collectively let us ask the question, how are you doing after 2021? The Bible gives us a few different ways to answer that question and to kind of take some inventory on how we are actually doing after the year that we have had. And so I'm going to read a passage from us uh, in Galatians chapter 5. You know, the passage that was read for us is Galatians 6, and these are going to work together as we'll see, but there are two lists here in Galatians chapter 5. And what I want you to do is just kind of take mental note, take some inventory. Which words best describe you? Which lists resonate with you? Which one would be most confident to say, yeah, this is true of me today? Here's the first list, Galatians chapter 5 be on the screen as well, starting in verse 19, what the Bible called the works of the flesh. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, Orgies and things like these, which means Paul could have kept going. That's list number one. List number two, continue to take mental note. But the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, 
peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Which list resonates with you more? When you look at yourself, when you look at how you are doing, which word, which list better describes where you are today? You know, if I can be honest, I didn't have the best of weeks. You can ask my wife. There was plenty of list one, actually. Uh, that was true of me. And the question is, what about for you? More jealousy or more joy? More envy or more love? More fits of rage or more acts of kindness? Which one best describes you? And let me just say, if you are here and list number one fits you well, maybe a little bit too well, I want you to know that this morning is for you. If 2021 was not your friend and did not bring out your best but your worst, I want you to know that this message and the God of the Bible is for you. If you're struggling with sexual immorality or pornography, with jealousy, envy, anger, whatever it might be, if you drank a little bit too much over the holiday season, if your Christmas was not met with joy but with conflict in your family, if you're truly struggling with division with each other, then this morning, this message is for you. And God is delighted that you are here. And God would invite you into one main truth, that he is not done with you yet. He is not finished with you yet. You are like a piece of artwork that is yet to be finished, a piece of furniture yet to be completely made, a house yet, yet completely built. There's something unfinished about you, and God is still working. The struggles in your life are not too much for God. The mess in your life does not deter him. Whatever is true within you, the ugliness within you, God can redeem and restore. That is the God that he is. And I can assure you of that. And I can assure you that God is still working because of the first five chapters of Galatians. You see, we are in Galatians chapter 6. That was read for you on the screen. And that's all about us. Instructions for us, what we are to do, how we are to live, and we're going to get to that. But Galatians 1 through 5 is not about us, but about God and the good work that He has done in Jesus and the good work that He is doing in you through Jesus. It's like Galatians was a, the opposite of your newsfeed, you could think about it that way. Your newsfeed is typically filled with all sorts of stuff, some of it fake, some of it true, some of it bad, some of it good, mostly bad. Galatians is different. Galatians is like a, a book full of headline after headline of true, good news about Jesus. And what Galatians announces to us first is that we can be right with God. Whoever you are, whatever you've done, you can be right with God. You can be good with God. It says you can be justified by faith in Jesus. You see, you are good with God not because of what you can do or what you have done. We could never measure up and we haven't. But we can be good with God because of what Jesus has done. He could and he did measure up. And then he gave himself for you and for me out of love for us. We were the ones that deserved the curse for our sin. We were the ones that deserved to do our judgment. But Jesus stepped in, in our place, took the curse, took the judgment. And three days later, he rose again. And the invitation for every single person is you can be good with God through faith in Jesus. But the headline keeps going. It continues on to say that we, not only are we good with God, but it says that because we did not receive the curse, we received the blessing of God. 
Not the curse of God, but the blessing of God because of Jesus. And the blessing of God is not a thing. It's not another human being. The blessing of God is God himself. What Galatians asserts, what Christianity uh, assures us, the mysterious, beautiful good news is that God himself lives and dwells in every single person who has faith in Jesus. That's true. God isn't distant. He isn't far away. He isn't just somewhere. When you believe in Jesus, the spirit of Jesus, the spirit of God lives and dwells inside of each of us, which means that God is not done. He's here in you working. See, some people love to restore old cars. Some people love to restore old houses. But the God of the Bible loves, delights, take pleasure in restoring broken people, sinners like you and me. That is his joy and his delight. And probably the best thing for us to cling to as we start a new year is not a commitment to what we're going to do. Rather, it's a conviction of what God has done and is doing through Jesus. That he is a God personally and powerfully at work in you and in me and in this church. And the question is, how does God do his work? How does God do his transforming, restoring work in you and in me? Well, that brings us to our passage again for the day. Galatians chapter 6, 1 through 2. Let me read it for us again. It says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Do you see here? You who are spiritual should restore. We should bear one, another, one another's burdens. You see, in the design of God, in the economy of God, he does his transformative, restorative work through us and in us. He uses you for me and me for you and us for each other to finish the painting, to finish the house, to finish that piece of furniture. Restoring work of God happens through us. Like iron on iron, as the proverb says, that's how God does his work. And so if this is going to be a year where we move from list one to list two, if God is going to restore us and move us from fits of anger to fits of kindness, from fits of jealousy to fits of love, to division to peace, to anger to gentleness, whatever it might be, then it's going to happen through each other. This passage lays out three things for us. If we're going to be involved in this kind of restorative work with God in each other's lives, three things this passage invites us to see and grab onto to be a part of it. The first thing, that there's a necessary way to see each other. The second thing, there's a different way to help each other. And third, there's a practical way to restore each other. A necessary way to see each other. Uh, helpful, a different way to help each other, and then a practical way to restore each other. Let's start with the first point, a different way to see each other. You see, the very first line of our passage says this, brothers, one word, one word. Actually, throughout the book of Galatians, this is the most common word used, eight times. When Paul is referring to the Galatians, he says you are brothers. You notice that sibling language. That's family language. To be a Christian, right, to be a Christian means that you are part of the family of God. 
right? It means that God has become your father and now other Christians become your siblings. Let me show you uh, in Galatians chapter four, this family language that God spells out for us very clearly, Galatians chapter four, let me read it for us. It says, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem us, those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. At the heart of Christianity is the entrance into the family of God, that the Father has called us, Jesus has redeemed us, and now the Holy Spirit lives and indwells us. And through the Spirit, we cry out to God as Father, Jesus as Savior, and every other Christian as brother or sister. There's a sibling language that Paul gives us, that we are family, that we are siblings through adoption. You know, in the kindness of God, my wife and I have been married for 10 years, and actually both of our boys we have Adopted. You might see a picture pop up behind me. My wife, Christina, and then my oldest son, Brayden, he is five. And then my youngest son, Kaysen, he is almost four months. And I just want to pause here just for a moment. We have adopted both of them in large part actually because of you. You may not realize that or not, but our church has an adoption fund, which helps families like mine actually pay for adoption, which can be quite expensive. And so I wanted to pause and just say thank you because whether you realize it or not, you helped my family go from a family of two to a family of three to a family of four. And my wife and I can never say thank you enough. Yeah, you can clap for that. What I want us to see here is that the way I view my sons, Braden and Kaysen, is the way that God views us. That's Galatians 4 for us. Like adoption has made them siblings and adoption has made us siblings. We have been redeemed for adoptions and now we are family. We're siblings, in fact. Not just family in the sense of cousins or uncles or aunts or whatever it might be, but we are brothers and sisters in Christ. And it's worth maybe just pausing on that just for a moment. Right? Given the state that we are in, given kind of the divisiveness that we can find ourselves in outside of these walls, there's a sense of which we need to reestablish why we're family. What makes us, what bonds us together as brothers or sisters, and what doesn't bond us together as brothers and sisters. You see, it's not our economic condition or status that creates this bond. It is not our political affiliation that creates this bond. It is not the color of our skin that creates this bond. It is not who we root for or who we don't root for that creates this bond. It is not whether we have gotten vaccinated or not. It is not whether we wear a mask or not. The bond of Christians for as long as it has ever existed has always been one thing, the eternal, unique, gracious, redemptive, adoptive work of God through Jesus. That is our bond. We are family. We are siblings because of Jesus and Jesus alone. So what I want you to do, even in this moment now, is just to look around. Find someone who is completely different than you, different in age, 
different in gender, different in skin color, different in mask wearing. And there is your brother. And there is your sister. This is the necessary way for us to see each other. Paul says it eight times in this letter because we need to hear it again and again and again. And the question is why? Well, that brings me to my second point, the different way to help each other, the different way to help each other. For the way we see each other will impact the way that we help each other. All right, we're going to do a little bit of a, a game here. All right, done the first two services and it's been very impactful for my family and you'll understand why soon. I'm going to play a game, something called What Would You Do for Kaysen? All right, so uh, my son is almost four months. So what I want you to do, I'm gonna ask you a series of questions and nod your head yes if you will do this or shake your head no if you won't, okay? Nod yes, shake your head no based on the question. All right, first question, would you be willing to hold Kaysen for 15 minutes? Okay, would you be willing to hold Kaysen for 60 minutes? Would you be willing to feed Kaysen his next bottle? Lots of nods. Would you be willing to change his next non-poopy diaper? Okay, this is where things change. Would you be willing to change his next perhaps poopy diaper? Okay, still some nodding. This is good. Would you be willing to take care of Kaysen today from 1 to 4 p.m.? Would you be willing to take care of Kaysen today from 1 to 4 a.m.? If you are still nodding, then I want you to go to the next steps area, all right? <laughs> After the service, I have a great next step for you. Don't matter what Tom says. Uh, go to the next steps area and say uh, you want to help the whole world of family, all right? We would love to have you. At some point, we draw lines. In any relationship, we say, you know what? My help will go as far as blank, right? I will hold for 15 minutes, but 60 minutes, that seems too much. I'll change a non-poopy diaper, but... After that, you're on your own. We draw lines, right? In every relationship, right? That's how we operate. My help will go as far as blank. And the reason that Paul has been telling us and tells us again that we are family is because he's going to show us that we never draw the line with each other. In the family of God, there is no boundaries to our help. In the family of God, there is no place you can say that's your problem. Let me show you. Galatians 6, verse 1. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, note the family language, you who are spiritual, simply a reference to those who have the Holy Spirit, should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Right? Family, we have the Spirit, then notice the condition, notice the need of our brother or sister, caught in any transgression. Right? Transgression is just a long word for sin. Right? They're caught up in list number one living. Probably the best image for the winter would be a car that's slid off into the ditch. Right? Maybe you've had that or you've seen that happen recently. Right? They hit a patch of ice or something. They lose control of the car. They're in a ditch. They're caught up in sin. They're caught up in a ditch right? and they're in need of help. They cannot get back up on their own. They need someone to help them. This is the language, the picture, the image of someone being caught up in sin. This is a real life situation that Paul is giving us, right? He's saying that someone in your circle, you learn, has been using alcohol to mute their pain for a long time. You find out that there is a marriage in your circle that is full of dissension and division. 
you realize that there between people there is plenty of envy and jealousy across the way. Someone you are serving with is all of a sudden having these random and unneeded bursts of anger at the smallest things. What do we do, you who are spiritual with the Holy Spirit, to our brothers and sisters when they are caught up in transgression? There are two things here. The first, very simply, is we are to help them. The sins of our siblings are not off limits. We do not draw the line and say, you know what, that's your problem, right? We can help with suffering, we can help with sickness, but sometimes we say, you know what, that goes too far. Your sins become your issue. And what Paul is saying here is that's not the case. In the family of God, you do not draw the line of help with somebody's sins. When someone is caught up in transgression, you say, I'm to help them. And the second thing is it's a restorative help. Look what it says. You who are spiritual should restore him. Restore him. That language of restore is is like putting back together. It's used in the Gospels, Matthew and Mark, for the disciples when they're mending their nets together. They were torn. They're kind of put back together. In the first century, it was like a medical term for putting a shoulder back in place. To restore someone, if something is broken, it's not working properly, and you put it back together. And now, all of a sudden, it's working again. In the context of Galatians, it would be someone that's living in the flesh gets moved living in the spirit. Someone who's caught up in anger is now in love. Someone who's caught up in jealousy is now is caught up in gentleness. List one becomes list two. Fleshly living becomes spiritual living. We who are spiritual, when we help people caught in sin, it will lead to the fruit of the spirit always. That's what restoration is like. It's a tree becoming in full bloom, ripe with love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. This is what God wants for us. This is the different kind of help. And it is different, isn't it? You've probably all been in a situation where someone you know has gone through a hard time. They're suffering for some reason. They're going through some sort of sickness, right? They've lost a loved one. They're grieving. They've lost a job. And yet, the help that we are to give goes beyond suffering. It goes beyond sickness. It actually extends into the very transgressions and the sins of our siblings. The spirit-filled Christian sees the sin-caught sibling and says, that too, that too is within my help. I will not draw the line there, but I will be for you and I will restore you. This is the different way and yet this is the way in the family of God. For is this not the way that Jesus, our perfect older brother, has cared for us? Is this not the help that he has given us? The Bible says Jesus, full of the Spirit, led by the Spirit all the way to the cross. And Jesus indeed helps us in our suffering, and he indeed helps us in our sickness, and yet it's the help of Jesus where he did not draw the line with our sins. How great is it that he didn't just help with suffering and sickness, but he said, you know what? My help also extends to your transgressions. And we who were caught up in the worst possible way, we were in the ditch in the worst way possible. Jesus came for us, gave himself for us, and rescued us, brought us out of the ditch, restored us, and now we are called children of God. This is the work of our older brother. And now we, a part of the family of God, 
with the same spirit are led now to do that for each other. To be a part of God's work to restoring somebody from a fleshly living to a spiritual living. And who would not want to be a part of that? Can you imagine the end of this year you get a phone call from a friend or someone in your circle and says, you know what, at the beginning of this year, you have no idea how ugly and how messy my life was. I thought God was done with me. I thought he didn't care. I thought he had given up. I thought he had tapped out. And then you showed up and it was your presence that pointed me back to Jesus. And I cannot say thank you enough. Who wouldn't want to have that kind of impact this year in 2022? And the question is, how do we do that? If you actually learn that someone is caught up in transgression today, this afternoon, what do we do? How do we actually help someone? Right? It's messy. It's difficult. What, what do we do? It brings me to my third point, the practical way the practical way that we restore each other. You know, one of my favorite things right now is to watch how my eldest son, Brayden, cares for his little brother, Kaysen, especially when Kaysen is crying. He's become a really great big brother caring for his little brother, but it's taken a little bit of learning, taken a little bit of time. There have been some phases that he's gone through. Phase one was the tell us phase. Kaysen was crying, and so Kaysen would run, or Braden would come to me or my wife and say, Kaysen is crying, Kaysen is crying, Kaysen is crying. And then we would go and help Kaysen. Phase two was what I call the jab him phase. If you have young kids, maybe you can resonate, but you'd run over the pacifier and just jab it quickly in Kaysen's mouth. And you can imagine how well that worked out. But he's gotten to the point now where he's actually soothing Kaysen. He's actually helping Kaysen settle from being crying to not crying. He's learned to come over to Kaysen to talk to him, saying, I know, Kaysen, I know I'm here. Here's your pacifier. And he stays with him and he stays and he holds it and he kind of, you know, wiggles it around and does what he can. And then soon Kaysen goes from crying to not crying. And Braden has become this great big brother. And in the same way, we, we can do that. We can learn. We can figure it out. How do I actually help someone caught up in transgression? We, we can do this. This passage gives us three things for how we can actually do this. Pretty practical things for us to do this. The first is in the very first verse. It says, brothers, Galatians 6.1, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself lest you too be tempted. The first practical way is to bring a sense of vulnerability. When someone is caught up in sin, you bring a sense of your own vulnerability. It sounds a little bit counterintuitive, doesn't it? Wouldn't you want to bring strength or grandeur or something? But you bring vulnerability here. Right? Because what does Paul say? Says He says, keep watch on yourself lest you too be tempted. He's saying that you are the one doing the restoring today, but if you're not careful, your vulnerable will be the one caught up tomorrow. Right, and vulnerability becomes so important for us because it helps us and keeps us from giving the wrong kind of help. You see, with, if you're not believing that you are vulnerable to sin, if you're not seeing your own neediness for Jesus, then you will give some sort of other help besides him. You will say, hey, pick yourself up by your bootstrap, or you will give some sort of advice that is not focused on Jesus. But when you're vulnerable, you recognize your own uh, proclivity to sin, then your help will always lead with Jesus. You bring vulnerability. The second thing you bring is a sense of responsibility. Look with me at verse 2. 
Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. To bear someone's burdens is to have a sense of ownership, a sense of responsibility. Your sins are my sins. Your transgressions are my transgressions. Your brokenness is my brokenness. And we see this most clearly in the way that Jesus bore our burdens on him. He took our sins on himself. He took ownership and responsibility in the greatest possible way. And now we fulfill the law of Jesus. We follow, we mimic what he has done. We imitate what he has done for each other. We say, you know what? Your pornography addiction is mine. Your alcoholism is mine. Your fits of jealousy, your fits of rage, mine and mine. What a gift that is to give to each other, to tell someone who is truly struggling that I'm going to bear your burdens. I have a sense of responsibility because you are family. And whatever you are going through, whatever you are struggling with, I'm going to struggle with and I'm going to go through with you. This becomes so important, this sense of responsibility, so important in restorative work because restorative work is not easy and it's not quick. There is no jab approach that's going to quickly make things right. It takes time, days, if not weeks, if not months, to see someone go from living in the flesh to living in the spirit. It takes time. But when you bear their burdens and you have a sense of responsibility, that will produce longevity. Responsibility will produce longevity. You'll have a sense in which I'm going to stay with this person. I'm going to stay with you no matter what it takes. No matter how long it is, because it's not just your issue, it's mine now. We bring vulnerability. We bring a recognition that we are just as vulnerable as the person that we are helping. We need Jesus just as much as they do. We bring a sense of responsibility like Jesus. Take ownership. Say, whatever you're going through, I'm going through with you. I'm going to treat your sins as if they're my sins. And then third and final, I call crossability. It had to rhyme, okay? Crossability is simply the ability to share the good news of the cross with your friend, with your fellow brother or sister. Right? Maybe you're familiar with uh, ESL, right? English as a second language. I want to give you a different expression. It's a little bit cheesy, but bear with me. Just call it GSL. Right? In the family of God, the language that we speak is gospel language. GSL, that we learn to speak as our second language, the good news of the cross to each other. We say, you know what, what matters most is that you don't just hear any kind of help or any kind of wisdom, but you hear message rooted in the gospel that Jesus has given himself for you, paid for your sins, and then three days later he has risen again in victory and in triumph. Right, if you take the analogy of the car again, and the car needs something if you're in a ditch to be brought back up. It needs to be more powerful than the car. In a similar way, someone caught up in sin needs something more powerful than sin to help them. And the only thing ever more powerful than sin is the gospel of Jesus. The only antidote, antidote, the only thing powerful enough to actually change someone is the good news of Jesus. And if we're gonna help people, if we're gonna help restore people, then we need to become fluent. We need to have the cross ability to say, hey, this is what the gospel says to you today. And there are three building blocks three building blocks uh, to build this sense of crossability for us. That if we can get on to these three things, 
I think God can do some amazing work through us. The first is simply this. God is for you still. No matter what you are struggling with, God is still for you. There's no more curse. There's no more judgment left for you. Jesus took it all already. The second is God is with you. God is with you still. He's given you the person of the Holy Spirit within you. And no struggle and no sin will make the Spirit depart. You are sealed. You're guaranteed his presence forever. And third, sin is not the most powerful thing in your life, but Jesus is. Jesus rose from the dead. And whatever you were caught up with pales in comparison to the power that's found in the resurrection of Jesus. God is for you. God is with you. And God is powerful. God is able. If we learn these things, I think God can use our vulnerability our responsibility, and our cross-ability to actually make 2022 a year of restoration. You see, I don't know how you are doing today, what you brought into today, but I can assure you of what God is doing. I can assure you on the basis of the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, of the living, redeeming, and restoring God, that he is not done. He has not tapped out of your life or mine. He is still here and he's using us in the family of God to restore each other more and more and more. This is our God. Praise be to the one who redeems us. Praise be the one who restores us. And praise be the one that one day calls us home. Will you pray with me? Father, we do praise you for today. God, I pray that we would grab on to the hope that's found in your son. That through him we have become children of God. You have adopted us. We call you Father, and we call each other brothers and sisters. And God, there is grace for us today. No matter what we are caught up in, no matter what we are struggling in, God, it is your design, it is your desire that we would be involved in restoring each other, that we would have lives marked by love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Use us today. Use us this year, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.